0: Which isn't true, because then we use shattered.
1: <laughs> 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 I'm getting there! Stop stealing my thunder! So, um, thunder? Thunder? No! <laughs> Welcome to the Kindred Spirit Podcast, a show all about the board game Spirit Island. Here, we'll talk about analytics and strategies within the game, as well as a plethora of other topics that can be found within it. My name is Ryan, as always, and here with me today is John. Hello, everyone. And today, we will revisit what our first impressions were about the game, as well as many other of our favorite memories about it. Can't wait. So many good ones. It's going to be awesome. Alrighty, so the base game, Spirit Island, what were your first impressions when you first played this game? Choices.
0: Was choices? So many choices. Because you play some games and you roll the die and it's like sometimes choices are made for you. Does okay. that make sense? Oh yeah. Or you're playing cards, you get dealt a hand and they're like, this is what I have type of thing. Sure. But I remember the first time playing it, I was like, every presence I place mm-hmm. means something and i could be like i remember asking like how do i do this you said you literally can't play this wrong if that makes sense <laughs> right it's just like everyone plays each spirit differently and i and i don't think it as a bad thing because i know reviewers are talking about analysis paralysis or some mm. people have said that but i like that i think that makes a good co-op game is to give those choices i agree and if you take from energy or or card growth, or which growth you pick, mm-hmm. or which card you keep for minor powers, major powers, which card you forget, where you place presence, where you defend, where you let blight, everything matters in the end game.
1: It's insane. It, really right. this isn't a game that's co op where there's like a score that you have to out compete other people. Right. You just you gotta know. survive. So what separates this game for you with other co op
0: games? For me, it was the quarterbacking which stood out the most. A lot of time, I played Pandemic. Again, nothing wrong with Pandemic, or Pandemic Legacy, or Forbidden Island, or any of those co-op games. Sure. My mindset became, this is why I was more into PvP, because I like fighting the greatest game mentality of just, like, fighting your human is, like, the best thing you could do. But a co-op, I feel a lot of the time is just a one-player game, and other people are along for the ride. Mm. That was my biggest hang-up.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest reason how this game combats backseat driving or alpha gaming is the fact that there is so much on your plate that you're not even going to have time to think about what's on someone else's plate. Furthermore, you can't maybe remember precisely what hand of cards they have. Sure. You know, because like in Pandemic, you know, you kind of know, even if you're not playing that guy, you know what they can do. You can see their card. You can see what they can do. I think it'd be best if you did this, if you did this. You can see what's on your own plate. You and can. Also, I shut can down also when see... that happens. Yeah.
0: Someone's like, I'm just like, well, then just play it for me.
1: Just play it for me. I don't need to be yeah, here. I'll right. Just go on my phone. Yep. Alpha gaming is just one of the worst. I totally agree with this, and many people have said that one of the biggest things that hurts gaming is alpha gaming. Mm. And so this is the, if you're unfamiliar with that term, backseat driving or alpha gaming, it describes a situation when you are playing a game. Typically, it's co-op. When one player who is very knowledgeable about the game, how it works, how the different components interact, just how the whole game works. When this player goes and starts to commandeer the board in a way that like, they know what's best and they do not allow other players to do what they want to do Mm -hmm. if they think that their tactics are inferior. So if you and I are playing a game and it's a co-op game and I'm like, okay, on my turn, I'm going to do this and this and this. And on your turn, what you need to do is you need to do this and this and this because reasons X, Y, and Z. Then you say, well, we could do that, but I was thinking this, this, this. Then I start to get mad. No, 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 dude, 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 you got to think about this, 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 this. In that situation, I would be an alpha gamer because I am telling the other person what he should do. I am commanding him from the standpoint of, oh, I'm a veteran, dude. I know what's up. And that could be so crippling to the ears of a new person. It is. And you're not going to want to get involved in a game where someone's doing that to you. And the thing that's so unfortunate is that that's a person thing. That's not a game thing. But who do you play board games with? People. Right. They could ruin it. And they can ruin it. So how does this game fight alpha gaming? Well, everyone's hand of cards is completely different. And you acquire new cards, so someone else can't really see what you have. Yeah, it's public knowledge. You're on a team. It's okay to see what you can do. But given the fact that, A, you don't have access to all of your cards because some of them got used and you have to use Reclaim to get them back, Mm -hmm. it's not like the guy across the table is currently aware of what you had. So he's not going to alpha game and say, hey, man, you should play this card because he doesn't even know what cards you had. And if he did know what cards you have, he's not sure if you had it Reclaimed or not. And he's not even on your section of the island. He's not your section of the island. He doesn't know what problems you have. He doesn't necessarily remember exactly where your growth tracks were, where your energy tracks were, what your innates are, what's currently good for the current situation, what your card play is as far as like, I can't even play that card. What elements you have for your innates, like what's triggered. So for all of these reasons, I think this discourages alpha gaming and that is huge. To me at least. I think that's a really important thing for a co-op. It beckons within you to think about it, not someone else to think for you. Mm It still encourages discussion. I'm not saying mm.
0: that we're just looking down at our boards. Oh,
1: no, no. I don't mean to imply that at all.
0: Yeah, and not at all. It is totally, because sometimes I'm picking up four cards, you know, and I'm gaining a minor power, and I ask the question, hey, guys, what do you think is the best situation here? I'm still going to totally. make the choice. Totally. And
1: there, there is a fine line, a very important distinction between alpha gaming, which is like backseat driving. It is a fine line. Versus discussion. Yeah. Versus teamwork. Cooperation true cooperation
0: so because there's with combos when you're playing a four person game or a three person there's so many like hey can you help me I defend three here because that's my sacred side
1: and then I'll come in and attack and my slow it's just like it's right. so
0: cool when this game is just and you,
1: you can cooking. just put out there what you can do like hey I can do this hey I can do this oh dude I can do this Oh, can you I can really I push them there and then someone else says ah I could do that if only I had this someone else pipes up oh I can help you do that And that's what makes this game amazing. It's great. And so just bringing it back to what you said about other co-op games had that alpha gaming. That wasn't something you experienced here.
0: No. Even with knowledge where we... Obviously, we've continued to play This is Past First Impressions. Mm -hmm. We've continued to play what we both know. I welcomed the discussion. But you've never told me, John, this is how you play Fangs. Mm. Or it's like everyone plays
1: it differently. And that's another great thing, I think, because... Not only can every spirit go and play in a variety of different ways, but there's a difference with how someone plays that spirit in that way. Mm -hmm. If you and I both play Earth, and we both play Earth as a healer, like a land healing defender, it might still look very different. Because you might look at it in a completely different way than I do, and your approach is different based on what cards you acquire from the deck. Sure, there might be a lot of similarities here. But how can you really alpha game when someone's like, bro, you need to do it like this way. Oh, well, you're talking about Earth as a major power user. I'm using him for a Defender Dahan user. Oh. Oh, well, never mind. That. Unless you are specifically,
0: like, self-sabotaging the game, there's <laughs> there's really no wrong way to, to play a spirit, I think. Yeah. I think there's different strategies, and you can be open to discussion, be like, oh... Yep. You want to place presents here? Actually, no. If I place it here, I get an all max secret side. Right, and, and, and this,
1: <laughs> that's not to ignore the call to be better or more efficient in your usage, because it's like it, this is like one of those therapy things where someone does something completely awful and like there is no bad strategy. It's we just, don't say no in this house. Just, just different choices. No wrong like, answers. Like that's an interesting choice. Like they're about to blight a land. They have like two cities and like five towns. I remember you. I'm got, gonna put a presence here. Remember when I the... let a city build up? let's talk about memorable (laughs) moments oh geez that was hilarious you're like
0: john a city is gonna be built there i'm like yeah
1: well, no, well, the thing was is you had moved a town. That's what it was. And you were moving a town to get it away from somewhere, and you moved it into a spot where they are where it. they were about to build. And I was like, hey, so uh, are you sure you want to do that? Hey, John, that's going to get us a city. You uh, got this in your plan? If it's in your plan, that's fine. It's- and it was, to my defense, I destroyed both. <laughs> Eventually. I mean, four turns later when Ryan did it. <laughs> It was just a hilarious, like, those kind of accidental things happen all the time. But no, but you are correct. I do agree with the fact that there is almost no bad way to play with the clarification and the caveat that maybe there's a better way to find out how to do that thing faster. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not a bad thing that you did versus a different strategy you were trying and you executed it poorly in this specific instance. And maybe you can just... As a result of that, and that's learn you how learn. to do that better. Yeah, that's For me, trying to use Earth as a Dahan user, he's very slow. But he can do it. Yep. But I wasn't aware of just how much he, A, can do it, but B, just slowly, until I actually played as him. And so someone else can watch me doing Earth being like, dude, why are you manipulating Dahan? You should just play Thunder Speaker." Well, I was like, well, no. like He does have... It's not a bad strategy to, to use Dahan a hard place as to do Earth. That, yeah. It's just I needed to get better with that strategy. So... I think that allows the gates to be very open and unlocked. There's no gate to you that's locked where you can be like, nope, you can't do this. You need to get better at the game before you try this strategy. Or, eh, you really shouldn't bother with that. It's just, you want to explore this thing? Go for it. And you'll get better at it. And sometimes that might mean you might bite a few times while you're learning how to do this strategy. (laughs) I definitely did with my first game of Nightmares, but, you know. Oh, that spirit. We'll get into each one. Mm -hmm. But Nightmares is so unique. So, One of the biggest reasons why I like this game is that everyone has a different experience. And sure, there are a lot of things that are similar, like, oh, bad guys were here. They're about to hit us, but we did this cool thing. We saved the day or whatever. But there's so many memorable moments in this game that people have. And I can talk with you, dear listener, who's played the game for who knows how many times, or even if you just played it once, and you could have experienced something completely different from what we had. And so... Can I say my first memorable
0: moment was... When you gave me Shadows Flicker Like Flame, because mm-hmm. I the fear thing concept, when you explained the rules, is yeah. really cool to me. Yeah. So you let me play Shadows, and just the artwork and the synopsis, I'm like, what mm-hmm. is this game? Because, you know, there's so much lore, and you made us read it, which I think, listeners, I think that's a cool thing. What do you think?
1: Oh, goodness. You know me. I love lore and theme so much. Yeah. I just dig it up. It's like chocolate brownies. Yeah. I just, just more. Just more. I can just sink my teeth into this, because for me... When I'm doing a game or any experience, I can understand the what. But if I understand the why, Mm. it lets me enjoy the what so much more. Because you're immersed. Because I'm immersed. It is more immersive. I am just completely surrounded by the theme of this game. I understand what's happening. I understand my motivation. The other characters' motivation for why they are with me or against me. Just for all the reasons, all the things. Yeah lore i just i can't get enough because you
0: made all four of us read you know the spirit I did. synopsis I think I,
1: this game has mechanics gameplay mechanics that support the theme not only of just the game but the theme of each of your characters and i think it's just so cool yeah and i think that there was a lot of hard work that was done to come up with all of this theme and lore and mechanics that truly support the game for here and for there, and it feels if like you're missing out if you don't acknowledge that or see that. And so that's why when I'm when playing a game with new people, I encourage them to like, oh, you got to read your character's lore yeah. and see their backstory kind of thing. And you know, it's not it's not the biggest read. It helped me to hear other people read. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's what lightning does, right? Okay. And I think it's really important in a co-op game to understand who you are with. Yes. Because when you're doing a PvP game and someone does something really cool against you, you're like, whoa, how did you do that? Oh, it's just a special my guy has. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. But when you're with a team, it's really helpful to know what your team members can offer. You can make me
0: fast? That's
1: awesome. That's huge. Yeah. Food. <laughs> Wait, you can give me energy for playing cards? Right. Whoa. Okay. Even if you don't know the specifics, just conceptually when you understand just the general theme and vibe of yeah. what someone else is it's so much easier to remember who they are and what they do and i just think it makes you more efficient as a player and as a team player when you have that kind of thing established for yourself so i that was my first impression was like this is something different yeah. reading
0: those player synopses i felt mm-hmm. like i was going on a journey not just playing a card game or something or like a board game
1: experience
0: versus game it was a total immersive thing and i felt like okay i am shadows where i'm at campfires and that's how i can go to different
1: special power like he can go wherever the dahan are
0: i'm like that made so much sense it's It's like he's flickering
1: and when you have that realization your appreciation and involvement to the game increases Mm -hmm. because it's like wow that was really cool but no one came out And told you in the rule book, that slapped you on the head. Hey, look at this cool thing! That's something that I discovered that you discovered it, and it clicks. And when you make that click, it's just so cool. And that revelation just makes you want to search for more. Mm -hmm. That's a cool memory. It was a cool. I remember this game is up to four players from the base game, and with the neoprene mat that they had on the realistic side, Mm. they have the capacity for five and six player games. And I remember my very first five-player game. It's actually really cool. I, know, I still have yet to do one. So I know a lot of people say that this game is only good at two, whatever. And We'll get into player count stuff later. But I really liked the five-player game. It felt really big, really, really grand in okay. scale. Because when you're on a low player count game, if you're doing two players, you're just adjacent to the next guy. Mm-hmm. So, hey, buddy, what are you dealing with? Oh, wait, I can see what you're dealing with. You're right there. That's true. Or three or four people. Hey, man, what are you dealing with? Oh, wait. I can see what you're dealing with. It's right there. I'm like three spaces away. Right. But when you have five players, there can be someone on the other side of the dude that's next to you. So it's like, how you doing, buddy? (laughs) And so while some people might look at that and be like, oh, well, in those environments, I feel as if I'm secluded. I don't feel as if I'm a part of the whole thing. I'm separated from my friends. But it really added to me in that game this cool dynamic of there are things happening everywhere. There are things being explored, spaces being built upon, attacks, ravages. There were mountains being attacked by Dahan when they were going on because someone was playing Thunderspeak. It was like this cool (sighs) raid that echoed through the valleys. And here I am in the plains like, bro, that was so awesome. I'm over here trying to repel the coast and whatnot. And so we were able to, in a way, kind of make our own story, so to speak. And it felt big and epic. And I will admit... On the five-player side, well, five- and six-player side, it was also on the realistic artwork side, the thematic side, mm-hmm. and that just kind of helped, because I felt more realistic. I just felt... That's what I love about the realistic side. The mountains are all in yeah. the middle of the island. Right. It makes it seem like The wetlands realistic. are coming
0: from the ocean right. type of thing. Oh. But yeah, that five-player game was awesome. I would highly
1: recommend it. I can't that.
0: wait till we do a six oh, when Jagged Earth comes yes. out. Yes. I, I
1: cannot wait. That will have to be an episode. It will be. It will be. So there are a few scenarios that we've dabbled with. Blitz, I remember my first Blitz game. I, <laughs> I'll i get into that a little bit later because that's a topic I want to save. But what I really want to get to is the second wave. It's, it's
0: the legacy version oh my of goodness. Spirit Island. It's
1: a scenario that makes Spirit Island into a legacy game Yep. where one game affects the game after that and the next one and the next one if you continue to do it. So we started in our little board game group here. John and I were playing with some other friends of ours. The four of us got together and we we're like, hey, we all like this game. We play it all the time. Would you consider doing a legacy game? And a legacy simply means a game whose experience is not confided to a single play session, but rather requires multiple sessions in order to get the whole thing done. Mm-hmm. So this means one game will feed into the next, and that one will influence the next, and so on and so on. And the echoes of the
0: first game, you feel to the
1: third, and yeah. And it's really cool, because it feels like this journey. In a way, it's like what a TV show is versus a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, a movie is just one experience, and it's done. And yes, I know you can have a movie series, but like, a show goes on for years sometimes, whereas a movie is just done, one and done. Mm -hmm. So we had this campaign. We call it the second wave campaign simply because second wave is the name of the scenario mm-hmm. where if you win, you have to play against a specific adversary. And if you win, you scare them off. And then and they get stronger. And then they come back for game two a little bit stronger. And then you have to play someone else and you got to fight them again. And if you win, they leave and then they come back even stronger and stronger and stronger. This campaign has been so much fun. I if Especially
0: ha- when we were playing it and then quarantine happened.
1: Oh, geez, yes. That's, That's a, whole a whole conversation. Memory. But I really want to establish, first off, that if you haven't done this scenario yet, if you don't have a group of people to do this with, start talking to people. Start introducing them to Spirit Island. Teach because them this, the game. this is an experience that I do not want you to miss. Yes, it's just one card in a box, this second wave scenario. But we have done four or Three. Three? Three. Yeah, we three. can't do more. That's true. Because we're we we have done We have done three games in this campaign where we've done game one, and then it's against England. Our campaign is against England. Boy, they're and getting so tough. They're getting <laughs> tough. <laughs> Man, so many, and, many builds. So uh, many towns. Sp- I hate, I hate their stupid build. That's no. what we actually nickname it. We actually call it the stupid build. Don't worry, we've saved lightning. <laughs> for, we haven't used so, lightning yet. So what we're doing in this campaign is since one game affects the next, What's cool is that, obviously, when invaders come to Spirit Island, you as a spirits are waking up. Mm-hmm. And that is why the board isn't clear when you start the game. There are already invaders on the land when you start because they weren't damaging the land when they first arrived. They didn't do anything to stir you from your slumber. So... The thing is, is all these spirits, sometimes they wake up and walk around for a few years and they go back to sleep. They have periods of activity and dormancy. Mm-hmm. And so you're just in a period of activity when the game starts. Since the invaders have stirred you from your slumber with their activity. And then you grow in power. You learn some new tricks. You can try to fight off the invaders, and if you win, then, you know, things kind of die down a bit. The action kind of starts to slow down, peace starts to settle in, and then spirits kind of go back to sleep. Time passes. Time (laughs) As Spirit (laughs) Islands. Nice. So, So, time passes. And in this campaign, what's cool is that the spirits that you were the first time go to sleep. And then in game two, when that invader comes back again, that specific adversary comes back again, you're a new group of spirits, spirits that wake yeah. up and have to do that again. again. But what's cool is that you can save a power card. That's one of the coolest things. From the Lore l- is so cool. Oh, when you think about so it, break dope. it down, break it down. <laughs> so, oh, it's so great because depending on how much Dahan and tokens, like beast tokens or uh, wild tokens or disease... You can have, up to certain limits, those stay on the board from game to game. So, if you did really good... Blight stays on the board. Blight stays on the board, too. So, I've heard that some people don't like the fact that you can kind of set up the next game. Because, oh, hey, you know what? We could end the game right now. But let's go ahead and clean up our board so that next game will be easier. I can see it. I can totally understand that angle. And I totally understand why it would be frowned upon by some. But then again, as a spirit in real life if it was real you would want to clean Clean up up your own island so it makes makes sense to me that you would clean up something it fits the lore so it fits the lore to me that your characters your spirits would want to clean up the island and it really incentivizes the player to not just go crazy with hey man you know we're close to the end let's just go and use drought and repeat drought over and over and over and over and over over again because that's what Laura did in like one of her first games the first game she was river and she just did drought like crazy And we weren't playing with a Blight card. It was like, how many blight do we have? Uh, We have like six. Cool. She did that one again and again and the next turn and the next turn. So we had a ton of Blight, but hey, we got to Terror Level 3 we won. won. But the thing is, is with this game, you're not going to be incentivized to do that. I mean, you can, I suppose, if you have a Death Wish. But like, I kind of like that challenge of you don't need to clinch victory by rushing ahead with a dangerous strategy or Mm -hmm. something like that. But you could just go ahead and try to feel more like a spirit who's living there because you have to live here at the end of the day when these guys are gone. But what's so awesome is that when a game is done, not only does the board in many ways stay the same for game two, but you are allowed to save one card that you had in your hand, any card that you had in your hand from game one, and you can have it used in game two. Mm -hmm. And I love the reason too, because it's not like there's no restrictions. There's strings attached to it. When you have a card that's saved from a game prior that you were successful on, it can only be used on stage three of the Escalation, and it can only be played once, mm-hmm. and and I think that's kind of like for game balance, that way it's not like crazy, because when you play this card, it doesn't cost any card plays, it doesn't cost energy, and so long as its elemental threshold is below 10, it will automatically cast, which is super awesome. And I was like, so wait, this this card is casting itself for free? You just get to just get a one freebie use? So I wonder what that... <gasps> I know why. It's because in stage three, that's near the end of the game when a lot of activity is happening. Yep. Which kind of means that your old guy is starting to wake up again. And he's like, it's you get to play a card that you did from your last game. It's like such a great callback. But it is. While still being able to keep a fresh and new experience with your new team. So what we did with the second wave campaigners, we really wanted to—well, not die, but we wanted but to in, win. In doing so, we wanted to approach this smart because we didn't want all offensive characters. Because the biggest, the biggest thing is we're we're playing it in a way. I'm sure you can use house rules to tweak it, but we were playing it with the following restriction, which is when you play a spirit, you cannot play as that spirit again. So if someone has already been played in a game during this campaign, you cannot play them Which is tough when you think about it. That is
0: hard. It's like, because sometimes you really just lock onto a spirit. Like, I know how to play this. I love lightning. I know mm -hmm. how to open and use lightning. But then they're gone. And it's like, wait, so now you have to adapt and play
1: someone else? Right. And so what if you were just playing as your favorites, but then as a result of them already being used, you can't use them again. And now, uh uh-oh. Now we have a really unbalanced team that's yeah. woefully inept in this strategy or in this strategy. So what we did is we, before we even started, we took a look at all the characters and we rationed them. We portioned out them by looking at their role and seeing, okay, who are our Who's defense, good to Who's defense good to yep. characters? Who are good offense characters? Who are good fear guys? Who are good control people? And so... What was really interesting and really cool, I really think that this is a good idea. And I would highly, highly recommend you guys doing this too if you would go ahead and do a second wave campaign, which is the act of rationing out your peeps. So that way you can have an attacker for all of the games instead of going all attackers or all defenders or all whatever. I really think that it's good to really space out. Who you use. And by the way, this campaign is also a fantastic way of getting to play people who you have not played with. Yeah, agreed. Played with. It's a great way to learn an adversary. It's a great way to learn how to beat that adversary. It's a great way to play a specific character, a specific spirit. And I think it really expands your knowledge base in maybe ways that you weren't really thinking about it. And I'm totally not trying to say... That if you have a favorite, you're not allowed to play as your favorite until later. Because since it gets harder, like game three will be harder than game one. So don't play as your favorite guy. If you want to play your favorite guy whenever in game you one, want, go you, for you're it. You're your own person. But what we did is we rationed them. And I would love to hear if you guys have done this or you're thinking about doing this. Totally let us know what your teams were. I'm super, super... Because we're going to let you know. I want to go I know, our I wanted, teams. I, I'm going to let you know what our teams were. So we were doing a four-player campaign, which means that in every game, there will be four spirits that will be used, mm-hmm. and as a result, four spirits that can never be used again. In the base game, there are 12 spirits. I should say... Well, not with least With all the... Right, and with branching Claw, it goes to 10, and with the promotional spirits, it's 12. There you so, go. So to amend my statement, with the content that is currently released thus far, officially... 12 is the number of characters that we had, and so... Which isn't true,
0: because then we used Shattered... (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm getting there! Stop stealing my thunder! Thunder? um, Thunder? No! (laughs) Anyway, it was at this time where they had actually released some print-and-play stuff. Because of coronavirus and whatnot, they had to... Thank you, Greater Than Games. Thank you. (laughs) And as a result of this... The coronavirus and the quarantine, they thought it would be pretty good as an idea, and I totally agree with that. This was a good idea to release some print and play content so that people can kind of get a little bit of a sample of what's coming in this new expansion. And so, one of the people that they had released, and I think it was the first one that they released, was Shift it was. Memory. It was, yeah. Later, they would go on to do Find.
0: I think it's called Finder. I think it's called Finder, <laughs> Finder Paths Unseen. Oh, he's only your favorite. <laughs> I think it's like but the most officially. Controlled.
1: Officially, I think Finder was the next. Yeah, and that's where we currently are if i'm not mistaken anyway so we were in the middle of portioning out the 12 people that we wanted to use when they released the print and play version of uh, shifting shifting memory and so our number of 12 went to 13 we were thinking i about... was surprised you wanted to play memory so uh, the way our first i game. saw it, i didn't want to play as him because of the fact that i knew how he worked in all of his ways i knew that i wanted him for game one it's just I haven't played anything. I've been waiting for two years. Yeah. I'm just so starving for new content that I haven't experienced before. So I was like, well, we can use shifting memory. Because I would already done all my research on this guy as much as I could. And I could tell this was a utility character. He's very team buffing. And mm-hmm. he's also with some defense aspects about Kind of himself. a lot of luck, too. Which is yep, unique. the We don't need to go into like analysis of the the structure of someone who uses major powers. Your strategy will kind of depend on the cards that you get, but generally speaking, he looks as someone who's very team Buffy and slightly defense with some other. He gets stronger with defense over time. So we had thought that we were like, okay, this is a team buffing defender. Not super good defender. I'm not saying he equates to Keeper or Green or Earth. Yeah. Just he kind of does defense on the side. So with these 13 characters, we rationed out who are all the attackers, who are all the defenders, like we had discussed. So for our first game, our team of four was Wildfire, Earth, Shifting Memory, and Shadow and Flame. So that I was...
0: I remember each game so That well. was your first time as Earth, I think. That was my first time as Earth. Right. And Laura was first time as Wildfire, Wildfire. Who she does not like. I mean, we all,
1: we love the game. He's, he's definitely a different... What a stuff. double-edged sword of yep. a character. Yep. Oh, um, goodness. He's so much fun, though. Have kinda... you, I forget. Have you played as him yet? Yes. You have? Okay. How dare you? <laughs> I, well, I couldn't Anyway, <laughs> I know everything about this game, and we're making a podcast. <laughs>
0: have you even played any of the spirits? <laughs> that was
1: just a question. My memory isn't so good. Why do you mock me? <laughs> Shifting? <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> it it kind
0: of worked out perfectly that she was Wildfire because I just went into,
1: like, light vacuum remover. Right, and that's something that Earth can do. It actually really worked. I we, think it worked out I don't well think we played it because Wildfire was our attacker. Yeah. Earth was definitely our defender. Then we wanted Shadow and Flame to be our fear, fear guy. Fear, fear guy. Yeah. And then we were kind of doing a wild card with Mia me shifting memory. You just we, wanted to play shifting I, I so wanted bad. to play. I wanted to play as a that's true. That was our first game. We won. It was great. And into the second game, we had Keeper, Thunderspeaker, Fangs, and River. And this was one of the best teams ever I had ever seen. One of the best gaming experiences. So, once again, that is Keeper, Thunderspeaker, Fangs, and River. And one of the reasons why this team, I think, worked so well was Keeper and Fangs go together really well. Yes, they came together in, uh, Branch and in Branch and Claw, but how do they actually affect each other in gameplay? Well, Keeper's very slow, but he's really strong. So he does a lot of damage, but he takes a lot of time to get there. Fangs is the exact opposite. He's fast. Quick game. Yeah. Very early, fast. Early game yep. damage. Ugh. Oh, I love Fangs. He's so much fun. But Fangs is the exact opposite. He's that, he's that yin to that yang. Yeah. But neither of them use a han. None of them use Dahan. Is it literally possible for you to get cards that let you get Dahan manipulations? Yes. But naturally speaking, they're not very Dahan-friendly characters. So we had Keeper and we had Fangs. These two go together, but we had River and Thunderspeaker. Who love Dahan. And if you guys <laughs> haven't found this combo yet, Thunderspeaker and River are a wonderful well, combo. sprouts out Dahan. Oh my goodness. River can spawn Dahan she can move people which is, like crazy. Which is
0: so rare in Spirit Island. Yeah. Losing a Dahan, unless you... Right. I don't know. It's like, so oh, how do we bring them
1: back other than so Call the Dahan get, Ways? getting Dahan back, spawning Dahan is huge. That's one of the reasons why Cycles of Time and Tide mm-hmm. and Call the Dahan Ways... Or river being on the field is so big. Yes, I know Savage Transformation also gets sort of explored into beasts, but that's better for many minds or sharp fangs. But for Dahan, in this game, we had two characters that did not use them at all, and two characters that used them a lot. And I know that River doesn't have to use them, but her flow, pun intended, flow and rhythm of the board game when you're playing as her is so beneficial and so useful with Dahan in it Mm -hmm. as a part of her strategy. And Thunderspeaker, I don't even need to talk as to why she uses Dahan. But the reason why it was so great was all the Dahan that Keeper and Fangs weren't using could be used by Thunderspeaker... And well, I remember River. Laura would make a sacred site with Keeper and mm-hmm. then push the Pushing Dahan. people out, And she yep. would like
0: push them and then I would follow because I right. travel with the Dahan. It was actually... Because you were... Th- I was Thunder Speaker. Yeah, you were Thunder Speaker. And yep. then there was River and you were yeah uh, I, was,
1: I was the Fangs, yeah. Yeah. We didn't expect it to be this good. I did not expect it to be this powerful. I know that we really thought about Team 1 and Team 3. Because yes. at the moment, with the spirits that we had, we can only do three games given the fact that it's a four-player game, each one. So we're losing four people. We only had 13, so we only have enough characters to do up to three games. First game, we'll take the first four, then eight for the second game, and then 12 for the third game. So we thought about, okay, what's the first one we want to do? Frankly, the very first thing we did is we wanted to save Lightning. Because England loves their towns, they love building. And they love their health. And they love because <laughs> they love... Yes. So we wanted to save Lightning because he is a dedicated building wrecker. And he kinda has a loophole. He has that fantastic loophole, which is just destroy towns. Not do this much damage, but just destroy Ryan, towns. Do you mean two damage? <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why that is super important is because it doesn't matter how much health. They have. Destroying it is destroying it, period. Mm -hmm. You technically did no damage, it's just you just blew it up. So it didn't matter if it had 10,000 HP or 1. It just says destroy it, so you do. Bye-bye. So England has a fun way, when they get high difficulty, of increasing the health of their buildings. I think Sweden has a way of increasing the damage Damage. that buildings do. Oh my goodness, could you imagine if you had both? I've heard about people doing double adversaries. Have you heard of that? I have, and... I'm... I'm intrigued, but I'm also kind of... I feel of, like I would miss a step. Help like, me, I'm I, frightened. Yeah, I, I feel like I would just be like, <laughs> wait a minute, who adds to what town? Yeah, I, it might be a little bit too much for my brain, but it's something I could try. Yeah. It's definitely something I could try. Anyway, point being, we wanted to save lightning for later. So, for we our first saved game... for game three. For our first which, game, anyway. it was pretty bare bones. We wanted that specific team, and for team three, for game three, we figured out who we wanted. All this to say, Team Two, we didn't really think about too much. It was just kind of who fell in the cracks for Team Two, and we accidentally, by doing this, created made a powerhouse, one of the best teams <laughs> I've ever seen. So it was fantastic. We just completely dome smacked the board, and I have a picture of each of the games that we ended with. Okay, for like game one, you do. game two, yeah. game three, and I can post that on our Facebook page, and the link will be in the description. But the game two end versus game one end was so different, night and day. We had so many beasts and wilds yeah. tokens. It was fantastic. It was great. On to game three. This is when England was starting to get pretty hard. Not gonna <laughs> lie, I mean they were hard already, but they were England's they, a tough adversary. They they bring it. They bring it. So. Uh, huh. I don't know who made all you Brits so angry, but (laughs) but you make me scared. Anyway, but we did win, so, you know, get wrecked. Anyway. (laughs) Not blighting either. (laughs) So for game three, we wanted to bring out some of the strong people. And by this time, by game three, Greater Than Games had released yet another print and play character and we already described who this was this was finder this was the interdimensional portal hopping hummingbird it was around this time where i remember when we were like doing research for stuff and like when you were coming into your own spirit island which was what do you like as a character what do you really click with sure Mm -hmm. you can play all of them sure you can play every strategy every character no matter what i found with the game yeah Definitely. But there are some strategies that you just like. And you don't even need a good reason as to why you like it. It's just for whatever reason, I'm just better with this strategy. For you, it's like control. I love control. And and for me, I love defense. That's just, don't get me wrong. I can play as lightning and be super awesome and effective. Yeah. But I like my defense. But you like your your control people. And you just simply thought, hey, man, this guy looks like control supremo 5,000. Like this guy is just the epitome, the epitome of of control maxed out out. and so it was after game two but before game three that they released the print and play content for finder and so you're like hey how about i play as finder so that i can get to learn about this guy we can try out this new isolation mechanic we can keep lightning for game four someday and i was like hey that's fine time out you're
0: going too fast because i I
1: remember i found their like their play test copy we did, but I'm getting the stuff that we did, like <laughs> us, John. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, why I liked Finder. Just, just so you guys understand, we have differing opinions on on, play-test. on playtesting people. So that's why right now we're laughing about this, because there's this backstory about my opinions on playtesting people versus his opinions. And there's a reason why I didn't mention it. But don't worry, we will get into that. I into, can't wait. <laughs> we will get into that. Suffice it to say that for this game, we had yet another brand new character that hadn't been played before. Yeah. And we wanted to bring the big guns. So our team three construction, our team three build, we had Ocean, we had Finder, we had Green, and we had Nightmare. So we had Ocean because Ocean just pulverizes the coasts. That's an attacker. That was our attacker for this one. Finder was definitely our control, mm-hmm. our control freak for this game. Green was our defender, spread of rampant Green. Green and was everything. And Nightmare was fear. Just, just fear. And the harder the enemy, the more I kind of like having fear. And this was also such a fantastic team. I mean, Elephant in the Room, Nightmare, and Ocean go together like peanut butter and jelly. Yeah, I can't lie, with the current spirits that are out, whenever I want to play as Nightmare, I'm like, does someone want to play Ocean? And whenever Ocean is being played, I'm like, does someone want to play Nightmare? Not to say that they can't be apart from each other, but they just work so So well. well. Because one guy can only go on the edges, but he can kill anything. But he just can't reach inland. Yeah. The other guy... Can't he, kill. He can move people around <laughs> like can't crazy, kill. but he can't kill anything. So it's so great for Nightmare to act like a sweeper, just like a broom. He just sweeps the board clean, pushing people around, pulling people around, and shoving them into the drink. Yeah. Ocean is just like a dumpster. You can just shove all this trash in Garbage and he will disposal. love you for yep. it. He's like, hey guys, just feed me. Feed me. Yeah. And so obviously the Nightmare and Ocean combo is one that we had discovered already in our various games. Do you remember We, we how... had discovered that combo, and we yeah. wanted, and we knew how strong it was. So we wanted to save it for game three, or at least not game one and two. Because it's so strong, and we wanted to have that strength for when the adversary really started to bring it. So as far as Finder,
0: it was I remember somewhat... being hesitant with Finder, because
1: yeah. here's a spirit that also can kill, but really shouldn't. Yeah. Shouldn't destroy... It's literally possible, but he has a limiting factor to his gameplay style. It's really interesting. It's the first time that you see getting slapped on the wrist for something because he has responsibilities to the dead, which Mm -hmm. limits how much that he can go and kill people. And it does trigger when you shove people from Finder into the ocean. We did our research. We did our research, and trust me, we will get into that. That is a conversation for another episode for the future (laughs) And I'm going to say, like, maybe three minutes grand total because John has so much to talk I about. Find- <laughs> I have researched a lot of Finder. My- <laughs> so you're going to, like, take the helm on that one, which is totally sure, fine. Sure. Totally fine. So, anyway, but as far as our Game 3 team, Ocean, Nightmare, this is such a great, great combo. And then Finder was kind of our wild card. But you wanted to play as him and you wanted to see how it was. And I think that was when, before we figured out that Responsibilities of the Dead did trigger. Because we were still heavy in the research phase. But even if it wasn't, we were still willing to take a chance on using Finder instead of Lightning. Because Lightning would be super, super, super useful on future games. Yes. And then I was spread of rampant green. I will speak to my next point in detail much later. And that is that green can be used on every single Team. He is so, so helpful on any given team build. Basically, game three revolved around Ocean Nightmare, and then who else can be helpful? Mm -hmm. That's what it literally came down to. So, that said, the game was difficult, it was hard, but we did so well. We just completely smacked them, and it was one of the funnest games I've had. It was. That's one of the things that really... It made us think differently,
0: too, because obviously with Nightmare, can't destroy, and then Finder, I didn't want to destroy, you know, the invaders either, so we kind of had to play the game completely differently. And you almost turned into like an offensive weapon. I did with your innate. We we're just like, right. there goes another city because you had to.
1: Right, creepers turned to mortar. Then yeah. he has damage. He has his finger in so many pies. It was one of the few of times
0: I'm like, whoa, green is really. Our, I mean, obviously, Laura with ocean
1: was yeah. just swallowing things just, up. Just, I'm like, yeah. Ryan, you are playing green so <laughs> offensively. Yeah, it was so <laughs> cool to see. So, and one thing I think it's important to to mention is that we did have events for this whole campaign. But I just really want to convey that (laughs) we're getting into that. (laughs) But all this to say, just as far as this campaign thing, because I do kind of want to move on to more stuff. That way we're not just beating this dead horse. Yeah. But suffice it to say, this second wave campaign has offered some of the most specific and most unique experiences that I've had with Spirit Island. And these experiences are easily some of the most memorable and most enjoyable that I've ever had. And so I highly, highly, highly recommend, if you guys hadn't played this mode yet, please do yourself a favor. Please. And you don't have to do it with four people. We did. We happened to do it with four people, and we loved it. You can do it by yourself if you really want to. Two people, three people, doesn't matter. Just just get in there. Have fun. It forced us to play the game and think about the game in different ways. And that's how can you ask for anything more than it that? was
0: so cool and just the legacy aspect of it of yep. just a continuing and right like, like and you're there's saying, kind of like that pressure
1: yeah you know for the next one I,
0: and almost that pressure to like not let the previous spirit
1: down not to get right. weird or like too right. much into the lore like i don't want to let down right. shifting My memory. Self. yeah like, like this guy had an ace game i'd feel as if i've like ruined his legacy yeah and like completely flub exactly. it like it was really cool so if you guys want more depth and you want more awesomeness, do second wave. You owe it to yourself if you're a fan of the game and you haven't done it yet, to just do it. So that was the campaign and so we are still going. We have yet to lose and we still have two spirits left to play that we didn't play as because when Finder came in with the print and play versions, you know, in his finalized that form, that 14. means we, we went from thirteen to fourteen. Which means that since twelve have been used, two are left that are yet to be played. And I'm happy two, with our two. We have serpent yet to go, and we have lightning, lightning yet to go. These guys are both benchwarming right now, and so pretty when, good bench when Pretty good bench warmers, I agree. And when Jagged Earth comes out, I am so excited to continue this awesome campaign of ours for Game Four, Game Five, Game Six. We can go and talk about this campaign later, but just as far as fond memories of Spirit Island, this campaign has been one of the it's best one of the ideas. Tops. Yeah, seriously, one of the best things that we've ever done. But, as a result of some of those things, events and fear cards. Oh my goodness. The various things that we have learned. And at the same time, I have grown to like events. Events, And I have also grown to despise them. But they are changing a rule coming out in Jagger with events. <laughs> Thank
0: the heavens.
1: Thank the maker. <laughs> so... Um, for those of you He's that got don't, motivator. for those of you that don't know, events are unpredictable rules and things that happen on each turn that you didn't see coming. It adds RNG. It does LinkedIn. add a lot of random events to the game yeah. that you're going to have to figure out as a team how you want to handle this new rule that just got placed or this new thing that just came up. So these events. They vary. They vary in their intensity. They vary in their complexity, how much they affect the board, how much they don't. They typically have some things that are good, some things that are bad. Sometimes there's a little bit of both. And it it completely depends on what your game is. So some events for some games aren't going to be nearly as bad as other events in other games. But when we're talking about memories of the game, fear cards, we've all had fear cards that just did absolutely nothing. (laughs) Just, just, oh... great this thing happened what's it do
0: each to does this amount of damage and like oh, but no we don't have that in this land that we need the
1: damage it's yeah and yet other times i have had a fear card get rid of 18 explorers in one fear card is that the one where like the towns destroy yeah
0: and explore it was
1: fantastic because we were we were doing a harder difficulty, and that's another reason why I love this game, by the way, is because it's a co-op game where you can increase or decrease the difficulty based on certain modules. Do you have a blight card? Yes or no. Do you have events? Yes or no. Do you have an adversary? Yes or no. Do you have an extra turn when you start the game? Do the bad guys have extra turn? There's like a customizable mm-hmm. aspect to this game. Events are one of them. And fear cards are obviously in every game, but fear cards tend to perform better at the heart of the difficulty. And I remember the reason why this fear card was so memorable to me was because it was the first time that we had done a pretty hard, at the time for us it was like normal difficulty. But since we had started the game on a little bit easier difficulties, normal to us at that time was felt difficult. really hard. Yeah. yeah. And so we were like, oh man, they're just coming out of the walls. There's so many bad guys and just, oh my word there's no way we're gonna win we're surrounded we're overrun there's just so many bad guys how are we gonna win this and then this fear card came out of nowhere and just bam 18 explorers gone oh it was so great and i know that you can have experiences and i've had plenty others besides this one that just lined up perfectly ones where i'm like well i can't defend this spot i guess we're screwed and then hey defend three in all lands what or like, like each presence it gets defend two it's like that's exactly how much yeah. i need we don't blight oh. the island now uh. oh sometimes sometimes fear cards are just so close, and
0: sometimes it's just one card closer to victory
1: yeah and honestly it's like well, honestly, that didn't do much right but hey and i'm hey, getting I I'm got three away now I put a strife on a dude <laughs> so what are your guys's favorite fear card moments for me it was when, Oh, they're gonna have moments. For me some of the big ones were that one where it removed eighteen explorers. We honestly want to just... hear
0: because I know there's some stories out there with fear cards and how game saving they are. And uh,
1: just a cool aspect
0: of the game. I always do enjoyed. you have
1: any fear cards? For me that are... it was
0: the one that wherever your presence is gets extra defense. I think it's defend two. Yeah. And it was I was playing as green and he's his lowest innate is like just defend two. And mm-hmm. I use that, so I'm like, well I'm just gonna use it here and hopefully, you know, it's not gonna do enough. But then that came in, it was Defend 4. I'm like, Whoa, this city's fine now. And I was one away from blighting the island. Yeah. And
1: it was just and things like that can turn tide. It it really can. And it's it feels like such relief off your back when you're doing something and you're like, Okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can stop this, I can stop that and you're like, guys, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do anything. We're gonna about blight and sorry,
0: we're gonna flip the card. And it's just, We're like, wait, we got a fear card.
1: And then the fear card comes in and just clutches it. It's one of the best feelings in the game. There
0: is a sinking pit of your stomach feeling when you flip and you're like, oh no, this didn't help. Uh, I know. You don't you don't want to depend on fear cards. No,
1: and if you have Shifting Memory or you have Nightmare, you can go and see what fear cards are upcoming so you can kind of prepare for them. But it's not common to know what you're going to get yeah. from a fear card. There so always is an added benefit. Right. So then there's events. And there is this one specific event that I want to talk about. Oh, boy. But before we do that. I <laughs> Everyone think take a I seat. Think, We're going to be here a minute. <laughs> no, no. I think it's just funny how both of us. We both go on and off on whether we do or don't It like depends events.
0: on the day and how I'm feeling about events. Is it really? It
1: depends on
0: where you catch me and how I'm feeling like, or what game I'm having.
1: Some people, they have blamed Spirit Island for being a game where it's too deterministic. Like, it's not random enough. I can figure out what I'm going to do. Conveyor belts. Yeah. Way ahead of time and they don't like that. Some people really dig it. I am, as far as those two groups of people that I just described, I kind of align with the latter. I see the strategy behind it. I kind of like the nature of knowing what's coming and being able to predict it because people say, oh, it's too easy if you know what's happening. Well, I would counter that statement with knowing what's going to happen is different than being able to do anything about it. Yeah. So sure I know where they're going, but it doesn't mean I can stop them. So, I, we're so where they're gonna ravage those and, so, this doesn't and mean I can so, do anything. Like for me, the random aspect, while it may be enjoyable for some people, for me it adds something that betrays the foundation of the game. And I am not saying that events are quantifiably, certifiably bad and they ruin the game. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying my preference is I find the game more enjoyable without them but I have enjoyed many experiences with them. I just think that the game is more consistent without them. But some people might really appreciate them. Some people that, love them. But, oh, love them. They swear by them. Yeah. That's totally fine. They like the randomness. What, and I do kind of like the randomness. I'm just saying I'm glad it's not a must thing. I'm glad that it's an optional thing. Mm-hmm. It is in their structure to help as much as they hurt. But in my experience, they've hurt me more times than they've helped. <laughs> so... There is this one card, this one event card, that I hate with every fiber of my being. What's it called? And we're going to get into this one because we all hate this card. We've had it, we've only had it happen twice. Does this have to do with agriculture? Only twice. And yet, it has thoroughly cemented itself as the worst card we have ever found, and that is farmers seek the dahan for aid Ooh. the farming one my skin crawls when i hear the oh finish. gosh now there are a lot of event cards hmm. in the game of spirit island i forget how many there are like it's see, four five six seven eight nine ten like it's in the double digits the number isn't currently coming to my mind but it's more than just three or five there's a good chunk there's an entire deck of event cards so someone will comment below get, and correct sure. us. Sure, <laughs> and, and I've known the number before. I'm just at the immediate moment, I, I can't remember what the specific. Number Not is. important right now, but it is up to statistical chance that you can get this card every single time. But with a big deck of cards, rare, it's rare. It's you know, you're, there's a good chance. I mean, you'll never you see enti- it when you have an entire deck of cards. You get one event card per turn, and how many turns do you say in a game? Eight to twelve. Yeah roughly. So there's only like eight to 12 cards that you're getting. There's a good chance that you're not going to get this card. And you know, there's a chance that you will get this card. One of the reasons why we hated this card so much is because we got it in game. Was it one and two or two and three? I think it's two and three Two and three. In our second wave campaign that we described earlier, we got this in back to back games. So I know that it is realistic for statistical chance to have this happen. RNG, baby. <laughs> RNG. It's just the fact that it both times this card showed up, it royally screwed us. And it happened back to back. So we still had it fresh in our minds the last time it kicked us to the curb. And we're like, no, not again. Here we go again. So what this card does is farmers seek the Dahan for aid. The Dahan are uncertain whether to teach the invaders new farming techniques, more in tune with the island's life, and you, as the spirits, you recommend that they either spurn the invaders or teach the invaders. I don't want to get completely into what it does. It's just, like some event cards, it gives you a choice. So... Most of them have, oh, here's a choice, and it does this. Most of them have a choice, and it does that. One is good. The other one is bad for a current situation. Maybe this one's a little bit better. This one's some a little of, bit better. Some of them's good, but you have to, like, pay energy for it. Yeah. This yep. is just bad and this, bad. This one is just, this sucks, and this sucks. Rock hard place. They both suck. Nothing You're gonna good. get wrecked. <laughs> Die. So... I remember the first game, we had done all the calculations when we read the rules in the card of what's going to happen. And it was either lose six presents and two to Han, which is like, uh, or, because six presents, that's not chump change, y'all. No. Six presents is not chump change and two to Han. Or the enemy builds 12 towns. That was insane. 12! That was insane. In one turn! 12 towns, and it's England. And you know how much they like towns, and they have proud and mighty capital. If they ever have a land that has seven or more buildings on it, you're dead. Game over. And so I'm like, 12 towns? We cannot afford to have 12 towns. I'm like, we're doing the presents one. So you lost four presents. Because uh, we were losing to Han. Oh, gosh. It was so bad. And I remember I was just like, this is just the worst. Oh, my gosh. And then also blights, right? It adds Blight. Add
0: blight I think to a so, land yeah. on, with yeah. at least two and, buildings. Oh, yep. is there
1: ever two buildings against England? Yeah, There's if, always two buildings. If, if we were to add 12 buildings... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have been like a ton of blight as well. I yeah. can't remember. The it numbers The numbers I remember, because this happened months ago, the numbers that I remember in my brain were it was six presents and two to Han versus 12 buildings. And I was like, nope, nope, I hate this. I hate this. It was so Which bad. one is better? Neither. <laughs> this is awful. And then the next game, we had it again. Again. And the choice was... There was only 11 buildings that time, but it was either six towns and five cities. It was Ugh. insane. It's or, never good. Or it was lose a bunch of presents and Dahan. That time, we actually did the let them build, which I voted against that, but I was outvoted. You were outvoted. Three because, to one. Because Ocean was there, and she didn't want to lose her presence on the coast. I forget what the number was, but she deemed that her effectiveness would be better and more efficiently able to we come won. back. How dare you question my wife? <laughs> we did. That's my wife. But the thing was, is I can't remember the numbers, but I remember the one where they build really screwed me over the most because I was Fangs. Yeah. And I was like, guys, I can't deal with cities. I'm like, oh, don't worry. We can handle it. I'm like, we have Nightmare who can't move cities and we have Ocean who can't get there. But Let's- then Finder can just sway. Wait. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> So in the end, it all worked out. But I'm Fangs, who isn't the best against cities. Yeah. But either way, the point being, it wasn't due to other spirits' lack of acumen with the situations that was the problem. The problem was the stupid farming card. But isn't life just a game of chance? Life is a (laughs) game of chance. Whatever. It's (laughs) funny. We have a bone to pick with this event. And I'm curious, if you guys have any events that you just hate for whatever reason, you you might not have it. And you may have encountered the farming one. It's called Farmers Seek the Dahan for Aid. You may have encountered that one and been like, you know what? It's fine. It's not so bad. And let's not forget that when it's done, by the way, all that crap that it does, it spits diseases on the board and then the diseases attack the Dahan. Which is like, really? And if we got this early game, it really wouldn't do that
0: much. Because like, no, the cities aren't built up. We just got it the worst no, time and possible. It, and it was against England, who yeah. builds a lot anyway. I can see it not always being the worst. It sure. just hit us at the it, it was, most inopportune oh, time.
1: It was Murphy's Law. Yeah. Just Murphy's Anything Law. The that worst, thing, well. like, the worst <laughs> thing that could happen. And it did. And it was, ugh. But we survived somehow. I really didn't think we were going to survive that one. And somehow, really like sometimes the hardest, toughest,
0: worst experiences are the best ones. Are the best ones? And we, and
1: yeah, it's true. Some of the most difficult games I've ever had quick, they became memorable. the most memorable ones yeah. that we had as well. So after we had done Are we done with the farming event? A little belly. We're, we're done with the farming event. It has scarred me enough. <laughs> I'm putting that band-aid right back <laughs> yeah. on. You wake up in cold sweats. <laughs> <laughs> See parade! <laughs> See, parade! <laughs> I, that scythe comes back for me. <laughs> Farting, like, no! All right, guys, that'll do it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions, please put it in the comments below so we can get a discussion going about your favorite moments and memorable happenstances that you had during the game. Until then, I'll catch you guys next time. I've been Ryan. And I've been John. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Kindred Spirit Podcast. We appreciate you taking the time to do so. Feel free to visit us on our Instagram and Facebook page. You can find me on our Facebook page at the Kindred Spirit Podcast. To get a hold of John, check out our Instagram page at the KSP123. We look forward to hearing from you and seeing you in future episodes.